You're listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with your host, Scott Albrecht and Michael Neal of Service Star Consulting. See you as well. We are putting it into everything that we do, our interactions, um, our, our products and services, even our purpose statements, empowering people to discover financial freedom. This leadership podcast has Bjorn Larson, my friend and senior strategist of financial well-being at BCU. He's been there since October 2019, but he's had a decade in personal finance and financial wellness industries. He's also an accredited financial counselor. We get to hear about financial wellness and credit unions on this Credit Union Leadership Podcast. Enjoy. This is the Credit Union Leadership Podcast with Mike Neal, Executive Director and Founder of Service Star Consulting. Service Star has been helping credit unions grow for over 20 years in three growth areas leadership development, cultural development, and management development. If you're interested in learning how Service Star can help your credit union, check out servicestarconsulting.com. The, uh, the BCU is where I used to uh, play, and uh, Bjorn and I used to do a lot of brainstorming on, on this topic in particular in our, in our past together. So Bjorn and I, good, good friends, we go, we go way back. So Bjorn, let's do this. Let's take the listeners way back. So 10 years ago, we were doing financial wellness in the credit union space, but it looked different. How is credit union financial wellness different today uh, as compared to maybe 10 years ago? When maybe we didn't even know the term financial wellness 10 years ago, but we still did stuff that was financial wellness. So tell me about the difference between 10 years ago and today. Yeah. So where, where financial wellness really began was in the financial education and literacy space. So 10 years ago, and, and, and honestly, Sky, I'd say even a little further back than that, uh, credit unions and other institutions were were teaching basic financial principles. And the thought was, if I, if I teach people, uh, they will learn it and then they will go and do it. And that's all we have to do, just teach them and uh, build that, that basic literacy. Most people don't grow up learning that. Uh, they're not taught that in, in you know, their, their family uh, situation. They're not taught it in school. And so uh, we've got to teach them that now. What programs, what credit unions began to realize is that you can't just expect people to follow through because um, they're irrational, right? Predictably irrational. Dan Ariely, great book. Um, they are. They need more than that. They need more uh, support. They need more tools. So uh, from that point, a couple of paths started to, to take flight here. Um, we started to develop their more and more digital tools um, to start helping people take action. And there was also this, this sense that I need to talk with somebody because finances are messy. They're nuanced. I, I really need help and support from somebody. And so, you know, counselors, financial coaches, uh, that, that whole space began to grow. Um, but, but we, again, needed to kind of think about it from different angles for different people because some people want to do it on their own, self-service. Some people want to, you know, actually hop on a call or on a video chat and talk with somebody. And so the, the programming began to build into kind of this holistic programming that went way past financial literacy and into the, the tool space. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's where it's been, you know, 10 years and then sort of, let's say, last five years, uh, tools growing and growing. But there was this one piece, Scott, that was always impossible <laughs> for financial well-being programs to, to do, and that was measure success, measure improvement. 
And uh, just in the last, I would say about five years, uh, a few organizations have figured out how to do this really well and to start to scale it. And so that's, that's where we are focused right now. That is in measuring uh, both behavior change, measuring program success, and then, and then reporting that back to our different you know, clientele, both on a personal level to create a personal experience, but then to our SEGs. Uh, so that they can see the the value that this programming is is driving in the financial health space. So you, you mentioned a book, and um, you know this book basically says that people uh, have good intentions, but they uh, in, uh, they consistently do things that don't align up with their intentions. Can you talk a little bit about uh, maybe uh, post purchase feelings and maybe the psychology of spending and how that's kind of played into our hand as we say, do this. And then they do that. And then they're like, oh man, I should have done this, but I did that. <laughs> how do you deal with someone who's dealing with remorse or guilt uh, from, from spending uh, in a way that's not healthy? Yeah. I mean, if you can you know, kind of put yourselves in the shoes of, of somebody who hasn't grown up with this stuff, right? I, I did, wasn't taught it any, at any point. You, you kind of, you can tend to live a very reactive life. So as things are thrown your way, as you make more money, or as you lose a job, or as you get a stimulus payment, or uh, as you get a gift or an inheritance, right? You're just reacting to this new information, uh, this new gift, perhaps in some cases. And if you have sort of no framework on where that money could go, you don't even know the categories of where that money could go, or maybe should go, you may just kind of blow it, you know, in some senses. I mean, you may, you may just sort of spend it on the immediate, whatever it is that I have been thinking about. Like I, you know, post COVID, I really want to take a vacation or um, boy, our car is making a weird noise. I think we need to get a new car um, because that that's the most immediate uh, relief of financial stress right now. So what, what we're trying to do in this space is change from reactive to proactive, right? We're trying to get people to think ahead so that before that money comes, before that increase comes, before whatever it is comes, I am preparing myself. Um, I've learned the basics. I know what my options are. And I know probably the best place to put that next dollar so that it can have the most value in my own life. And it matters to me. And so there's no such thing as, um, as bad spending. The only time that you're spending inappropriately is when your spending isn't aligned with your goals. I, I really liked your emphasis and focus on, you know, where do you want to be and are you spending as it relates to alignment with where you want to be? Um, tell me about this goal-based financial wellness approach and how does that kind of take out this element of judging for, uh, you're not saving enough, or you don't have enough of your paycheck going towards a 401k. How do you make goal-based spending kind of the, the new financial wellness uh, hot topic? Uh, and how does that get you out of trouble with some of these areas that traditionally we've been kind of falling into traps on uh, maybe being judgmental in some of these financial coaching uh, appointments? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of personal finance um, gurus and personalities out there, right? Who kind of tell you like, this is how you need to do it, right? Um, these are the steps you need to take. And for some people that that can be helpful. Um, but where goals come in and, I, and what I would even, the, the addition I'd make to that is um, setting goals that really matter, um, that, that tie back to, you know, let's just say family values, personal beliefs, um, meaning in your life, 
that's where you can start to get excited about where your money's going. Because the way that I look at it is, um, if I spend $1 on, for, for me in, um, in our family life, let's just say, you know, vacations are a, a huge um, benefit, huge value. If I spend $1 on a vacation, my, my ROI on that is going to be way more than $1. We are going to get so much out of that. We're going to get memories. We're going to get time away. Uh, we're going to get you know mental well-being, reduced stress, all of that. That's, that's a huge ROI versus my you know $1 on winter tires. I live in Minnesota. Um, I, don't, I don't love cars, uh, don't need to spend money there. And so how can I shift my spending so that more money is going toward the things that matter the most to me? Now, we all have needs and there are certain things you have to spend, but for anything that's discretionary where I can make a choice on that, why not try to figure out what are my goals, uh, make sure that everyone in the financial households align to the goals and make sure those matter to us so that we can get excited about that money. And then it, then it sort of moves away from just spending dollars and it's more, you can think of it more as investing money in the things that matter the most to you. And that is where you're going to really feel the control over your money and the benefit that money can provide as a, as a means to an end, a tool to accomplish things that matter to the people that matter the most to me. Talking to Bjorn Larson, financial wellness strategist at BCU, one of the fastest growing credit unions in America, and they are mission focused. Uh, their mission is to empower the future well-being of their members, and they're doing so with financial wellness. Now, technically, if you think about banks and credit unions and kind of this financial well-being space, our job is to do financial well-being. But a lot of times the buzzword of financial well-being kind of tri trips us up and gets in our way. Um, what are some of the, the kind of the um, nuances around the term financial well-being? It, it helps us in some regard, right? With company partners looking to maybe enhance their financial well-being, but it's also one of these like cliche buzzwords, right? So uh, there's this concern of maybe a flash in the pan of, you know, this is cool now, but next year it's going to be something else. So tell me about this term financial well-being. How has it helped you and how has it uh, maybe created some uh, stereotypes that have, have not been so helpful? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, I, I think that um, you're right on that. We look out, we see, you know, different financial type um, industries and maybe even, you know, institutions that sort of slap this label on there and they say, we're doing financial wellness, we're doing financial well-being. Um, but really it's just a it's just a glorified sales pitch. And so I think the the key is um, you have to make it you know really a part of the people that work for the institution that you're a part of. So um, that that comes through you know getting board level support if possible, getting or top leadership support, maybe writing it into your your mission or purpose statement um, as we've done at BCU. And coming up with, with a way to have champions uh, that are, you know, scattered, maybe everybody, the hope is everybody, right? But maybe starting with champions throughout the organization to really make sure that they're thinking financial being first, um, so that you're really living out what you're saying that you're you're trying to do. Now, um, financial wellness, I would say, uh, has, you know, kind of some, some different, uh, you know, ways of, of focusing on it. I guess there's... Um, Different different terms: financial health, um, financial health uh, improvement, financial well-being, financial wellness. Um, there's there's a, a few different uh, buzzwords out there, but I I think that the the key is is that um, you're starting to 
use that as your your front end, but then everything is building off of that. So it's becoming more clear to your end users that uh, you are you're able to kind of break apart the the sale the selling of products and services um, in some time you know in some ways, but then you're also bringing those in by creating products that are trying to solve financial health problems, so that when somebody's ready to take action. They are able to take action, and it doesn't feel wrong um, because it's it's in their best interest actually to do that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of credit unions are looking at taking this on themselves. I know, and you know, because they're reaching out to us that you know, hey, we're going to try this new financial well-being program, and so great news, right? I mean, there's a lot of positive things happening out there. And so instead of, you know, outsourcing to a company who maybe does some of that, but it's really a sale of a product. Now we actually are looking at uh, appointments. Tell me a little bit about a financial wellness appointment. It's not a product per se, and there may be products that you recommend in that appointment, but really at the end of the day, if I'm selling financial wellness at BCU, it means that I've offered an appointment and that's that's kind of the product, right? So tell me a little bit about the, the financial wellness appointment. What's the structure there and, and it, what kind of tools, you, you mentioned several tools, what kind of tools do you guys use there to make those um, as easy as possible to schedule, um, track and benchmark and, and maintain uh, the, the relationship moving forward? Yeah, so there are kind of two main paths that we see people kind of entering the program in. There's the self-service model where I want to go and I want to kind of use some tools. I want to you know take an assessment. So we've got an, a financial assessment. We call it the financial checkup. Uh, we're using the financial health networks model for that. And um, that's offered right through digital banking. You can get your personalized score, actionable next steps. Um, we also have our My Money Health dashboard, which is bringing in all of our financial well-being tools into one place. So members can see their credit score. They can see where their money's going. They can actually set financial goals. They can get content. Uh, they don't have to go anywhere else, but right to that tool to start to, to take action. Now, if they want to actually talk with someone, and, and for a lot of people, that that is what they need because you know, like I said earlier, finances are so nuanced, right? And if you're if you're struggling financially, the last thing that you want is is a tool that's going to be kind of a a Q and A style where it's just you ask the question, it gives you the answer. You need somebody that's going to be empathetic, uh, somebody that's going to be able to kind of break it down into really actionable and easy next steps, so that you can get some momentum built. Because maybe that you've worked on you've worked on your finances the wrong way for a very long time. And you need somebody that's going to be an encouragement, uh, provide motivation, uh, accountability. So we have goal consultants who um, have the FICEP certification through CUNA. And uh, we we utilize, uh, we're just using Salesforce now to um, offer appointments. And it's just a 30-minute appointment. And you can schedule that with with anyone over the phone or even someone who's local to you. You can do it over um, you can do it over the phone, like I said, or or video, or um, we're actually exploring some chat uh, options there as well. And this is a way for you to, again, really kind of get down to the nitty-gritty and and talk to somebody about your situation. And for some people, that that alone is a major step in their financial life because the shame and the secrecy and the just the, the thought that I'm an adult, I should understand this stuff. All of that kind of you, you've, you've accepted that and now you're seeking help. And that is a monumental moment. So what a great opportunity for us to build trust, to help somebody that's in need and to have it be a service in and of itself. That's how we look at it. 
We don't tie any products or services to it unless that person is ready to take action. And then we're able to offer that because of where, where the program sits. We're talking about you know financial wellness, and um, if we were to go back to 1908, so you know we've already gone back 10 years. Might as well go all the way back to 1908, <laughs> Bjorn. And so you know you got Ed Filene, who is a very wealthy uh, store owner. He owns very many different types of stores, resale uh, organizations, clothing stores, and so he's looking at um, the disparate impact that not having generational wealth or not having your own created wealth has on certain individuals. And so he had a huge heart. Uh, he had a lot to do with um, workers, 401ks and, and uh, you know, social security and, and wage equity. I mean, all of those huge topics that are still topics today, he was working on um, back in 1908. And as a result, we got credit unions, right? Uh, he was working with, uh, you know, the, a couple of uh, places up north and then in the twenties went throughout the entire country and just really got a lot of people interested in this movement. Why? Because there was people in pockets that were being under uh, served. And so when it comes to financial wellness, I think there's no better place to find maybe people in pockets that are being underserved. And I, I call it disparate impact, right? Um, maybe there's cultures where we just don't talk about finances. So you grow up not knowing how to win the game. And so if having a good credit score is uh, the game and no one ever taught you how to actually play or win the game, then you're going to have a disparate impact on the ability to win that game. Right. So, um, this, there's probably no better topic that is more, uh, useful for credit unions to continue on that mission that Ed Filing started back in 1908, which is basically saving those who, uh, don't have the same level of access that other people do. Um, tell me about how you guys are able to quantify measure and, and seek after maybe some of those members in your field of membership who uh, just never really learned um, what a credit score is or how to save or, you know, just kind of don't have that confidence that they can find those dollars under the rock. Um, how, how do you seek after those members that do need the help? They just don't, they don't know to ask for it or don't know where to ask for it. Yeah. I mean, you're right on that, that there's a, there's an extremely huge opportunity to help, help this audience. And, and they're, you know, in my own heart, uh, they, they are the ones that I have, you know, the, the biggest desire to help, uh, not only to help the individual and the family now, but to help the generations to come. So that, that is a particular interest of me. Um, one, one way, so to me, it, for that audience, it's about the, the right thing at the right time. And it's like you said, teaching them how to play the game. So um, there are kind of some, some different components. Um, one is, I think, um, partnering with organizations that are already out in this space um, who already have the trust built. So like one example for BCU is partnering with Habitat for Humanity. We, we partnered with Habitat. We offered some classes. Um, we offered goal consulting. We offered access to our content, our financial being content uh, portal, and all in the hopes of, of both teaching basic principles, but then walking through the difficulties uh, with people that, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one setting. Um, so partnering there, um, offering community sessions um, just to deal you know, with like local parks departments um, to get out there and, and start to, you know, teach basic concepts, uh, things that, that, you know, and it's not just this audience, but a lot of audiences have, just do not know basic concepts. So what, what can I learn? Um, and then uh, giving very specific and easy to accomplish next steps. So, you know, you come to a credit score 
understanding your credit score presentation. What is you know one thing that I can do out of this that will help me to take a next step? So, you know, paying my bills on time every time. That maybe is the the very easy next step. Uh, maybe it's calling my creditors and and negotiating a better interest rate. Um, there are some very specific things that that we can encourage people to do, but. I think having then some accountability through like a goal consultant is very important because it's easy to go to one of those and then, you know, go back to our busy lives and never do anything again. And and if you do that too often, you can have many years go by before you actually take any action. So um, getting getting kind of some hooks uh, to get you to come back are, are crucial. Uh, we also offer uh, savvy money to our members uh, for free. So that's one way that, you know, for in the credit score world that, uh, you can watch that. You can have um, monitoring, and, and you can see improvement over time. So, um, those are just a few examples of what we're doing in that space. Um, we are continuing to also look for different products that we can offer that help someone to have a better alternative. So, building credit, getting access to their pay a few days early, um, whether it's through enhanced direct deposit or even uh, a you know lower interest rate. Um, kind of, you know, like sort of uh, payday um, loan, if you will, uh, that like, if, if you're going to go to a payday lender, you know, come to BCU first <laughs> to get to get a better interest rate, if you really need to do it that way. Um, so that is another way, you know, if it's just going to be a single next step, that we can begin to get somebody to try out what we're doing here, and then hopefully build their trust and then keep that relationship going for a long time to come. Yeah, I mean, demographics ha have a huge thing, uh, you know, that play into that. I mean, BCU, is, you're just growing at such a, a alarming rate, and your 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 demographic, even at the branch level, is so mixed and varied. However, we've got credit unions on this call who maybe are in that hundred million to five hundred million dollar range, and so their demographic actually is a little bit more refined in that maybe the average age of their members forty five, and and so you know, really understanding. Who am I serving? Who who is who is my member? What does that makeup look like? And then also under understanding who am I as an organization? Like where am I best suited to to fit up and meet up with some of these these demographics? So um, you know, I'm gonna ask you real quick here what you think the future looks like um, as far as what's possible from a from a financial wellness standpoint. Uh, but I, I I do hope that. In the future, um, organizations could take a, a step back and maybe take a look at, okay, how am I best suited to play this game? And what do my members need me to do? Because there's so many options to your point. And some organizations have to take them all <laughs> and offer them all because your demographic's so mixed and varied. But uh, when you when you only have $500 million in assets and you have, you know, four, average age is 45 and average credit score is 720 where you play has a huge impact as to a return on investment. So my future is, you know, based on my credit union, it, we can actually maybe uh, per, per the member tailor this thing to the member. What's your vision of financial wellness in the future uh, look like Mr. Bjorn? Yeah. So I think, um, I think it needs to start in, in measurement, in assessment. Um, so even though you may know who your membership is, you may not know everything about their financial lives because because you know some of your members uh, you know they may be doing only part of their financial business with you. So um, having something like a financial health assessment where you can actually look at other areas um, can help you to to pair that with what you have 
that's what we're doing at BCU to better understand what's actually going on here and how can we segment groups um, of, of our membership into specific categories. Then depending on what the different groupings are, you wanna offer obviously the right thing at the right time. That's what we're always trying to do. So how can I personalize the experience so that I, I offer you meaningful tools and resources and support that are actually gonna you know, in, encourage you and motivate you to take action? Um, I do think that the, the kind of overgeneralized uh, look ahead is the fact that people are looking for financial advice. They don't, even though they haven't grown up learning this, they don't want to take the time to have to get like, you know, personal finance 101 and get a certificate. Um, they want you to just say, okay, I trust you credit union. Now tell me what I need to do. And that's where I think if we base it in assessment, we can honestly say, well, member, um, we know this and this about you. We would recommend that you, you know, build a thousand dollar savings account. And then once you have that, maybe you should save some money by refinancing on this loan. Um, so, or, or talk to a goal consultant because they're going to be able to stick with you for the long run and, and help you. So um, having the right thing at the right time, personalizing it. And then I think also making it bite-sized so that it doesn't feel overwhelming. So if I can give you alerts, um, if I can kind of scale that and do it in a way that's providing you know, actionable advice, I'm going to be more likely to take action on that. And that goes for content too, right? Uh, keeping content shorter, more specific um, so that I can do it on the go. Because that, that's we support a lot of people who are on the go. And so if I can get to the smartphone through alerts, through advice, through short content, through videos, something that I can do while I'm either, you know, on a break at work or, or post, post uh, my workday uh, at home, I'm going to be more likely to actually want to use this benefit, uh, which is what we are. We're a benefit um, that people we're offering to people. And the hope is that they're going to actually, you know, take, take advantage of it, take, uh, use it to improve their financial health. So the more personalized um, and then bringing that into the, the product suite that a credit union has um, is going to be, I think, the, the best future for credit unions and to go right along with uh, where the industry is headed. So we're giving hope. One financial wellness appointment at time, it's service, it's solutions, it's education, and it's all wrapped up in one giant package wrapped in hope. So if you haven't had hope distributed in a while, financial wellness, that might be a topic for you and the board to take advantage of. This is the Credit Union Leadership Podcast. We want to thank you for your time today, Bjorn, sharing your financial wellness expertise with us over at BCU as a financial wellness strategist. Any last imparting words? Don't be ashamed to face your finances now. Uh, don't be ashamed uh, as, a, as a member uh, and, and continue to focus on this space because it's, it's very meaningful work. And we, we as credit unions are perfectly positioned to do financial well-being well because we care so much and it goes beyond just the bottom line for our organization. Wow, what a fantastic way to bring it to home. The mission of our credit unions is to enhance the financial well-beings of our members. What better way to do that than with a financial wellness program? I want to thank Bjorn Larson for joining us today. If you yourself are looking at reviewing your own financial wellness strategy and would like to be paired up with someone like Bjorn, uh, let me know. Uh, you can contact me. I got my email in the show notes. If you've been listening to the podcast and you're wondering about one topic or another, 
let us know as well. We're looking at topics for 2022 and we'd be happy to uh, entertain whatever ideas you have for the Credit Union Leadership Podcast. Share it with a friend. If you care, you'll share. We'll catch you next time on the Credit Union Leadership Podcast.